Hi, Pastor Tom here. If you are a woman or a child under 18, I would request that you do not watch this video. I try and be careful when I teach to uh, be specific to my target audience and yet careful for who else might be in the room. But in this video, I've just gone straight for the guys to talk about a very sensitive topic to young ears or women. So if you're a woman uh, and your husband has not pre-watched this or your father has not pre-watched this and sent it to you, uh, please don't watch it. It's not for you. Uh, and if you're a, a man who's under 18 years old, a lot of this will be relevant for you, but I'm going to make it unavailable to un under 18 year old accounts on YouTube so that I would not be responsible for putting any uh, adult material into the ears of minors. Talk to your parents and your pastor. God bless. G'day fellas. Welcome back to another round of Biblical Manhood. Today we are covering pornographies, masturbation, and sex outside of How far is too far? What can we do? What are we uh, to relate to this issue of pornography and masturbation as men? Particularly, of course, for single men, but, but not only for them. They will, of course, be the demographic that's struggling with this the most. And I, I want to tell you that today, if you're, you're struggling with pornography and with masturbation, I'm here to, to try and help, uh, not simply condemn and push down. If you struggle with pornography, I sympathize with you. If you uh, try to normalize pornography and make excuses for it and justify it, I'm not at all in your corner. Uh, but may today's video be a blessing for you. Last week, uh, and really the last two weeks, we've talked about God's design for specifically manhood and sexuality. And we've seen how that finds its uh, uh, fullness in marriage. And that's where the, the real um, purpose for sex is to be in marriage, for marriage. And we looked at all of that a couple of videos ago. Last week, we looked at adultery and the dangers of that and how to fight it. And this week, we are looking at uh, the breakdown of male sexuality, when it is cheapened or twisted or misplaced. What does it look like and how can we avoid that, uh, particularly in masturbation and pornography? By masturbation, I mean the pleasing of oneself, usually to the point of climax or orgasm. And by pornography... I mean any images or movies that are sexually arousing to you. That's a broad definition because different things can be pornographic to different guys. Logos on the side of trucks can be pornographic to one dude and other guys can put up with a lot uh, more without being sexually stimulated. Uh, so that might be illicit, explicit sexual videos that you're downloading or watching from Pornhub. Or it could be a hashtag that you've been clicking on on Instagram that has uh, women in their togs or or some pretty chick's um, account. Whatever it is, wherever it is on that spectrum, it's pornographic images and that is what we are discussing. <clears throat> what I'm going to assume, just assume outright in this video is that if you are single, maybe you're a teenager, maybe you're a young guy and your dad's sent this you to watch or you're watching it with him, uh, or you're just single and you're an adult, I'm going to assume that we are on the same starting block of what is not allowed in your relationship with women, which is any sexual action, activity, 
or touch, of course. That, that includes sexual hand touching of the body. That includes, uh, you know, heated kissing and making out. This includes touching genitalia or breasts. This includes uh, oral sex, sexting, video chat, sexing, uh, phone sex, uh, any of that sort of stuff. We're, we're just going to assume fornication is sin and all of that falls under fornication if you're not married there is to be no sexual pleasure and action between you and that woman that's not what today is about today is particularly about those who are aware of that law of god seeking to uphold that law of god and yet falling into or being tempted by the sin question mark is it a sin of masturbation and of course the deadly sin of pornography. Uh, I, I, I want to address this because um, it, it is, it's one of the most frequent questions that I get as a uh, pastor to young men and to older men. Guys need direction on this stuff. Uh, guys are, are asking this question. I'm so glad they are. So glad this is not out of bounds, but it's being asked. It needs to be, but it's obvious that um, uh, that, 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 that this would be a helpful uh, medium to be able to address it as we discuss biblical manhood and how it relates to these things. Um, there is a load of stuff on the internet, podcasts, books, uh, lectures, TED Talks, uh, YouTube channels, where you can go and you can start figuring out uh, and finding out what is healthy for a man to do. What should a man be doing uh, around the areas of, of masturbation and uh, lust and uh, pornography? Um, there's a lot of that stuff that's out there geared towards guys that is just from an atheistic or secular worldview, which means they're functional pagans. Um, and a lot of Christian guys not see, not finding much of this conversation going on in the, in the church will then go to whoever is going to give good advice. And while there are some spots of good advice in the secular sort of manosphere or uh, places where you can get information, guys all of it is uh even the things they get right are wrong because they're not guided by god's presuppositions of holiness and uh, they're not guided by all of the discussion we've been having around male purpose in the world as men who are god's image and glory and and fathers in the world and leaders in the world and heads in the world they lose all of that and they come to the whole question um, with the wrong presuppositions and therefore give ultimately terrible advice. Uh, but it's sad because a lot of guys, uh, that's the only place they can find this topic breached and spoken about. And so uh, I want uh, this to be a, a breath of relief for young men and older men who are uh, struggling with these issues, lots of questions and can now hopefully have them from the word of God, given some direction and wisdom applied. Uh, it is um, also uh, necessary to address this sort of topic around masturbation and lust and um, sexuality because uh, uh, I, I'm told as a pastor uh, in the book of Titus, I'm, I'm told by extension uh, from Paul to Titus, applying also to me, to uh, ensure that men are self-controlled. That entirely equates to this situation uh, of sexual um, self-control. We're told in, well, the pastors are told, as Titus is in chapter 2, Verse three, uh, verse two, he says, uh, uh, this is what Titus should be teaching men to do. He says, older men are to be sober minded, 
dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love and in steadfastness. And then, of course, in verse 6, we have this one urge to the young men. Likewise, urge the young men to be self-controlled. I don't know how I can faithfully uh, obey the command from Paul there to urge uh, and train uh, self-control if we don't address this topic of sexual self-control or masturbation, and of course, pornography as well. Um, uh, I want to speak really frankly as we talk about this whole topic. Um, I'm glad we're not a group of guys talking about this. That'd be pretty awkward. But uh, I'm going to speak pretty frankly, but I don't mean in this to be demeaning or degrading to you as somebody who is what we've already covered. Uh, a man who is the glory of God. man who carries his image and his calling. A man who has received from God a mission and a mandate and uh, a calling and a an empowerment and promises. I, I don't want to demean any of that and speak down to you in a degrading way. I want to speak to the fact that you have dignity, value, worth, and ability to control yourself. And so I want to speak to those things. However, um, to do so, I will have to speak to the uh, problem and with frank language around sin. When we discuss sin, uh, especially the sexual nature, Paul uh, has addressed in the book of 1 Corinthians, which we have preached through. In chapter 5, he has spoken uh, regarding the man who is among them and living in open sexual sin. But this can still apply to any sexual sin lived in, engaged in, among the people of God, uh, even if it is secret for you. Paul says that, of course, those who are sexually immoral, that they should not associate with those people. Christians and as, as a church, we have the reputation of Christ to uphold. Those who are known to be sexual, immorally, uh, immoral people, we should have nothing to do with them. We should not be associating with them, but saying, that's not a brother. He's not walking in the light. He's not a son of the light. It says also down in uh, verse 11, I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality. Then verse 13 says, purge the evil person from among you. This is a, a, a sin that is of the level that if it is engaged in uh, frequently and without repentance, God commands that where that is known, for that person to be cut off from the people of God. They're defiling the people of God. They're defiling their family. They're defiling the witness and the reputation of Jesus. And that cannot be allowed to go on. Some, some of you men, I, I know even as we begin to talk about this, you're, you're going to be very aware in your own heart that you are like Achan from the Old Testament who, who stole some of that uh, gold that was supposed to be going to the temple, stole it from Jericho, kept it in his own tent. And then when the people of God went to wage war on the town of Ai, a, a tiny town they should have been able to beat, they lost because God was against them because they had an idolater or a thief, a liar, in their midst. Some of you are like that. The, the, the best thing that could happen for the church is either if is if you will not repent, then you to be cut away. You to be removed. You're holding the people of God back. You're polluting the mission. You're distracting the soldiers. You are defiling the people of God. That's what Paul is saying here. It is the example that we get from Achan. And yet there is hope and there is through the word of God being explained and applied 
there is new direction. You do not need to be cut off, but your sin can be cut off because in your place and for your sin, Jesus was cut off so that you can be welcomed in, empowered and led by the Holy Spirit. This is the good news of Jesus. But as we talk about uh, sexual sin also, I want to call to mind um, uh, uh, that, that the, the excuses that are so often made. Sexual sin is serious. We've seen that it gets people cut off. We've seen that it deserves church discipline where it's unrepentant. We've seen that it has widespread effects on people and, and uh, that it accumulates the wrath of God. It has terrible effects by God's wrath. But also God supernaturally intervenes and, and kills perverts and, uh, uh, as, as he wills. Uh, and, and, and the excuses that are so often used are just not excuses that we can uh, function with or that we can put up with as the people of God and as men of God on mission. Uh, the commonality of sexual sin, as if you could say, well, everybody, you know, I look around me, every other guy is struggling with it, or every other guy is doing basically what I'm doing, I can get away with it. And we should recall to our mind that story in Numbers, when God, uh, because of the sexual adult, uh, sexual sin of the day, God kills 23,000 men. Now, the fact that everybody's doing it doesn't bother God. He's going to judge everybody on the same standard. So, so let's not make an excuse out of the commonality. Or we can simply make uh, the mistake, out, uh, uh, the excuse out of the intensity. Well, it's so intense. It is so stirring. It is so uh, overwhelming and overtaking of me. This sexual desire, I, uh, what, can, what can be done? Let's make an excuse for sin here because the desire is so intense. But God's design for this is, of course, that that desire would be intense and that that would lead you to marriage, we're told this in 1 Corinthians 7. If, if you're burning with desire, let them marry. That's, that's the drive. So, so that, there's no excuse around, around the intensity. Um, uh, also, God has uh, I told, told to us that, that uh, no one will be tempted beyond what you can bear. There will be a way of escape that God gives. You're not being tempted in a way that is uncommon to every other man. Or we can, of course, make the, uh, the excuse that it's, just, it's natural. I mean, this is who I am. I, I've been made this way. I've been designed this way. This is a, it may be even a good part of me. And I'm, uh, it's easy to excuse my sin if, uh, if, I, if I just remember that. It's so natural. But again, God's answer is, of course, it's natural. But it's natural that it would lead to marriage and good, holistic, beautiful sexual uh, activity, as we saw a couple of weeks ago. Let's not be men that make uh, make the mistake of making excuses, but we be men who uh, see the gospel call to repentance and walk in that life of repentance. Let me read to you Romans 8, verse 13 and 14. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, brothers, no matter how many excuses we make. If we live in a pattern that is according to the flesh in unrepentance, we will die our spirit will be corroded corrupted and die but if by the spirit that spirit who makes you new that spirit who points you to christ that spirit who empowers faith in christ that spirit who works through the word that spirit who brings you uh, to the knowledge of the gospel as it applies to your life that spirit who empowers you if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We are sons of God, gentlemen. We are not sons of the devil. We are not enemies of God. We are sons of God. And therefore, we can live in the design. We can live in the, the, the standards. We can live in the characteristics of men of God. You have to believe that. You have to believe that. These are the promises of God to us. Or we can remind ourselves of Titus chapter 2. Uh, Titus chapter 2 verse 11. That the grace of God has appeared. Bringing salvation for all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled. There's that word again. Self-control. Upright and godly lives in the present age. The grace of God which can forgive us is the same grace of God which is sent to empower us. We're often going to say, aren't we, that there's no sinner too sinful that Jesus can't forgive you. But in the same way, we can say there's no sinner too enslaved to lusts that the grace of God can't empower you out of that. While we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That's what the gospel has done for Jesus. He came, he bled, he died, he rose so that he can have a people for himself that he empowers by his spirit who are zealous for good works, not making excuses, not wandering in the moral gutter, but are following our chief shepherd Jesus as he has died for us. These are verses that ought to stay close at home for us as we discover and discuss this topic. I want to speak uh, in, in some general terms. Uh, sexual pleasure, as, as we now start sort of looking at the specifics of masturbation. Uh, sexual pleasure is for the willful enjoyment of a marriage context. Okay, It's to be enjoyed willfully, not coerced, not, not against anybody's uh, will in a marriage. And in a marriage of a male and a female. That's where sexual pleasure is meant to be utilized and enjoyed. Okay? Willful and in a marry, marriage of male and female. Which means that any uh, combination of twisting that is a, is a sin before God of, of a significant um, nature. So you, you can twist it any way you want. You can make it um, uh, incest where the marriage is be between uh, family members. You can make it uh, pedophilia where one of the members is underage. You can make it uh, uh, bestiality where one of the members is an animal. You can make it homosexuality where both of the members are the same uh, sex. You can make it um, adultery where the person they're sleeping with is already married. Uh, you can make it fornication where two unmarried people are sleeping together. You can make it um, uh, uh, rape where you're forcing either wife or somebody who is not your wife to have sex with you. You can make it prostitution where you're paying somebody. You can make it pornography where you're watching two people have sex. Uh, you can make it whatever, um, uh, any twist. There's a million ways to twist that 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 uh that design of male female marriage and willful enjoyment can be twisted any number of ways 
Um, but the one we're talking about today is uh, where sexual lust is not in the confines of marriage, not with another man, not with a child, not with an animal. No, it's none of those things. It's with a self. Where a man is sexually pleasing himself. What, what do we need to think about this? Of course, masturbation is, is self-sex. It's solo sex. Uh, it's completely, in fact, against the design of sex. Uh, sexual pleasure is meant for the act of sex, and that act of sex is two people. Uh, so, so it's against the design of sexual pleasure itself. But also, it's against the design of human beings in general. We're not asexual or monosexual uh, uh, creatures like some flowers or some weird starfish, which just pollute, uh, you know, pollinate themselves or or whatever, um, bring themselves to some kind of sexual climax and uh, whatever. We're we're heterosexual uh, creatures. Some males, some females. They come together. That's where. It is. So masturbation has that design fault right from the very beginning. Before we even start talking about lust and what about the heart and what are you imagining and all of that, it's a design fault. Um, it's not according to God's good uh, and clear design for sexuality. Uh, but further, masturbation in, in, in most general times is a lack of self-mastery. Where a man who is either married but supplementing his sex life or a single man who is not married and therefore doesn't have a sex life, remember, let's assume fornication's out, uh, masturbation becomes a lack of self-mastery, where the man can cannot take control of and take reign of his own sexual pleasures and his lust. Uh, we've been seeing in this series that man is meant to be, by the calling of God, someone who takes dominion for the kingdom, takes dominion for God, in the rule and reign of Jesus through men in the world. And masturbation is, is really even the inability to be in control and in dominion over my own libido levels and my own erections. Like They're the things that are toppling me down. It's a matter of uh, self-mastery needs to be first. If masturbation is a practice, then we don't have self-mastery. We, we should expect to see uh, widespread failure in other areas as well. <clears throat> Number three, masturbation uh, and, of course, pornography along with it, uh, but even masturbation on its own, assuming there's no pornography, cheapen sex. They cheapen sex uh, because, well, sex is meant to be, male and female, it's meant to be hard work. Enjoyable, but it's meant to be some effort. I mean, you, you break a sweat. It's meant to be... Uh, intentionally. It's meant to be mentally engaging. It's meant to be uh, requiring of your focus. Uh, that, that's, it, it, it's, a, it's a game. It's an art. It's, it's almost a sport. It, it's a beautiful thing in that relationship. And masturbation cheapens and makes that whole thing two-dimensional as if it is just a, a quick line to cross um, uh, with myself. Uh, and that is one way that it cheapens, uh, removes the love, removes the relationship, removes the communal enjoyment that sex was meant to have. And it, it is ultimately selfishness. Uh, it's, it's selfishness. Also, uh, masturbation in marriage. So let's assume married guys here, if you're giving in to and if you're engaging in masturbation uh, without your wife, it's a sign of poor leadership. It's poor leadership. 
maybe you want to say, well, you know, my wife is holding out on me or my wife is not, uh, uh, you know, responding to my, my, my leading and my suggestions. She doesn't want it. And so I'm just driven to this. I have to uh, do this on my own. But we're told, of course, in 1 Corinthians 11, that the woman is the glory of her husband. She's the outworking. She's the, the garden bed of your working, of your effort. So that um, if that's what she's like, you need to take responsibility for that. You need to see, well, this responds, this, this reflects my leadership. Where am I not investing in the relationship so that she doesn't desire sex? Where am I not uh, cultivating her heart and being there as her pastor, her king, her priest, her prophet, uh, her gardener, her protector, her lover? Where am I not doing those things so that the physical act of sex is not desirable for her? The answer is not to retreat to the bathroom or retreat to your own place and masturbate. It's to uh, face the problem, face up and get it done. Have the conversations that need to be had. So uh, uh, masturbation can be a sign of poor leadership. Um, let's think of single guys now. Uh, masturbation for you is, is, is a, a level of theft, thieving from God. God has this wonderful gift called sex and pleasure and orgasm. And he gives that to married people. And he gives it to the men who've taken the dominion, gotten the job, found a woman, putting a ring on her finger, given her a marriage ceremony, taken her home and started having lots and lots of good sex with her. And so to be uh, engaging in masturbation is a form of, of thieving of that glory for myself. I'll go home and uh, I'll, I'll enjoy that myself when it is meant to be given for other people. Uh, like we said before, the long answer, the long hard answer is pursue marriage. That is a part of your mission. If you are not gifted and called to be single, which if you're watching this, I'm guessing that you are not called to be single. <clears throat> uh, also... Masturbation trains you both biologically and mentally. It trains you to be a, uh, a quick sprint, um, you know, uh, <laughs> quick finisher, basically. What it's training you to do is, is to uh, uh, move from aroused to climax as quickly as you can, get it over and done with, get the pleasure box ticked and the libido moved to the side of my head, head can clear and I can do other things. It's training you to be a quick sprinter instead of a self-sacrificing, hardworking, long-lasting lover. And this might just seem like even either the most worldly or the most practical of, of, of uh, problems with masturbation here, but it's true. Uh, the, 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 the way that God has designed the male anatomy and the female anatomy and the, uh, and the sex life related with those things is, you know, I've heard it said like this, the, the, the woman is a, is a slow cooker. You can't jump in and get things done in 30 seconds. The woman is a slow cooker, takes lots of uh, bits of uh, uh, ingredients, takes lots of attention, lots of focus, lots of effort. Uh, and the guy, uh, getting him to climax is like a microwave. And so, you know, you don't even have to take all the, the lid off. You just pierce it with a fork, throw it in, a couple of buttons, and it's done in, done in a very short amount of time. You know, you don't even have to guy, get a guy properly undressed. He's fine. You just, just get it done quickly. That's the difference between male and female uh, sexualities and, and, and builds to, to orgasm. And so 
uh, masturbation is a way of um, a training, training yourself, probably not intentionally, okay, I'm aware, but it's going to have that effect of bringing you to quick, simple, uh, uh, fast, unsacrificial uh, uh, climax. And if you can read even just the book of Sol Song of Solomon, you're, you're going to read, you're going to see that, that the, 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 the love and sexual relationship between husband and wife is to be one of, of foreplay and enjoyment and long lasting and giving and not simply a quick take of a microwave blast. <clears throat> uh, and so you want, you want to be training yourself to, to be a, a long lasting lover of your future wife. Um, uh, and you do that by waiting, by being patient and not engaging in sinful masturbation. Uh, it also, um, uh, for, for singles, and I feel like this might be, uh, number seven here on my list, might be a, a particularly practical one. Often here that guys want to um, engage in masturbation simply because it removes my sexual desire and urge. You know, I'm so distracted all day, struggling with my eyes, I'm continually burning, I'm continually urging, I'm continually being driven by this lust, and if I can just... Uh, uh, engage in this way, I can clear my head, I can be um, a lot more human. Now, while that is, is, is so understandable and, and um, uh, uh, a, a, a good desire to want to be, be free of continually controlling lusts, the reality is in the long term or even the, the moderate term, it's not going to be decreasing your lusts because the more that you uh, uh, climax, the more that your body is preparing itself for the next round. And so that as frequent as it is to begin with, your body will demand that it becomes more and more and more frequent. So that in the short, medium and long term, you are doing yourself a disservice. You're actually not helping yourself be more in control. You're contributing to yourself being less in control and more overcome with lust. Um, number nine, uh, Speaking, uh, sorry, number eight, uh, specifically now about, about pornography. And, and next week, we're going to address basically not just what's wrong with porn pornography and masturbation, but how do you break free from pornography if you're struggling and addicted in that way? That's going to be next week. Uh, but a couple of short things on pornography at the moment is that, that porn, if you're engaging in it, gentlemen, you have to repent. One of the effects that it will have aside from being a heinous sin against God that he despises, um, is that it is it sets for you as a future husband or as a current husband a standard that no woman will ever be able to meet. Uh, it's setting for you as your heart and your mind is, is getting geared towards the amount of pleasure and beauty that you're looking for. Um, those whores on, on the screen uh, that there's multiples of them. You can click whatever you're feeling like at the moment. You can skim through thousands of videos. There is no woman that you're going to be married to who can tick all of those same boxes for you and do things that professionals do and, and do things which people on pornography movies are often in pain and often hiding it, often drunk and high to, to be able to get through the uh, experiences. But those women are, are not a standard of actual beauty at all or actual realisticness for a godly woman. Um, uh, and so by engaging in that, you, you might say, no, I won't expect a wife to be like this. 
but you don't get that decision. You, you are you are training your mind to be able to uh, desire that which no woman will be able to really and truly meet. But also another one is that pornography uh, instills images into your mind that uh, will take years and decades to remove if they ever go away. But the, 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 the act of the sexual pleasure opens your brain up in such an immense way that the images you're looking at are instilled and implanted and engraved and burned into your memory in such a deep and disastrous way that you will find it hard to be removing those over the, even the, the years of repentance in the future or the decades that you have with a wife. Uh, there will still be images that are difficult to remove and get away. Also, uh, and here's number 10, porn, uh, simply, even unpaid, anonymous pornography over the internet, because simply of the website traffic that you give certain websites, they, that contributes to the um, uh, manipulation of women who, who do not wake up in the morning and decide that that's the sort of uh, uh, industry they want to work in. There's a lot of manipulation and lies that goes to, uh, onto a woman to take her to that point. Um, it contributes to what is frequently on those websites, which is rape and sexual abuse. It contributes to, simply by clicking on those pages, it contributes to the, um, uh, the porn industry's kidnapping of young ladies, which happens from impoverished countries, and the human trafficking. trafficking. These are studies that are well-established. Pornography leads to um, prostitution in areas and pornography leads to uh, uh, human trafficking from third world countries and underprivileged areas in developed countries. This is what those some, you know, uh, you so thought they were innocent clicks, but they are contributing to this industry. Your clicks give those pages advertising and money to continue to do this to women. Um, but more on pornography next week. I, I, a few questions here, which are I've sort of collated the most common ones that I get um, and tried to just answer them really briefly and, and frankly. Uh, so here they are, these ones specifically around masturbation for singles and married guys. Number one, can I masturbate if I don't have sinful lust? Now, this is a tricky question because, uh, well, it's a trick question because... If you don't have sinful lust, uh, then you have biblical lust, which means that you're thinking of your wife. Uh, and if you're masturbating, in, and we're going to get this to this in a bit, but if you're masturbating in your marriage, we assume that you have your wife's permission and help. So no, that's not a sin. Uh, however, if you're not married, uh, then it's, uh, it's, it's very unbelievable that you would be saying something like, I don't have any lust. Uh, without any kind of sexual thoughts. I don't know how you can come to sexual arousal. Uh, there's somebody or something in your head that is bringing you to that uh, sexual point. And if it's not anybody else, then it must be you. And so we come back to this bordering on homosexual, definitely self-sexual uh, act. <clears throat> so uh, uh, can you masturbate without sinful lust? Unless you've got a wife who's agreeing to it. No, but with a moment of honesty, the Bible is not explicitly clear that masturbation is a sin, which means that technically, 
if you could do so without a scleric of sexual lust towards someone who's not your wife, could it technically possibly be permissible? The answer I think is yes. But we, we read in the book of Corinthians, we read as a, as a message of, of the Bible is that something being permissible does not mean it is advisable and not dangerous. The, uh, we, we need to take into account Jesus' words when he said, if your right hand causes you to sin, it would be better to cut it off and make it to heaven than keep it and make excuses and justify things and then be cast into hell. So let's be careful uh, that just because something is maybe technically, possibly permissible, that it does not become a mastery over you. Now, uh, second question. Can I please myself through masturbation while my wife is unable to do it? So this, of course, would be a married guy asking this. Is, is masturbation okay in general? No, because it's your wife's responsibility and your responsibility to lead your wife in this way. It's her responsibility to be taking care of your sexual needs. And it's your responsibility to be taking care of her sexual needs. So that self-taking care of that is not appropriate. However, the answer the question here is, what about when she's unable? Maybe hospital admission, maybe business trip, maybe something like that. And of course, the answer is, that's perfectly fine. That's great. And, and if she's able to, um, uh, if she's on board with it, and maybe she's even helping you out with pictures or something like that. Uh, but we again need to take the warning that this should not become normative, hopefully not too regular, and definitely be careful that the mind can still wander during these things and uh, you, you, you do not want to be mastered by something like this. <clears throat> Alright, thirdly, what about wet dreams? Do they count? Are they sin? I would want to say that um, it is, that's a different category slightly because it's not the, an exact same kind of correlation. However, one simple principle is that this is not a, 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 an excuse. We can't simply have wet dreams and say, well, hands off the wheel, I was asleep, nothing I could have done about it. Rather, usually our dreams will follow our thoughts of the day. If we are technically, you know, not, not pleasing ourselves and it's natural that the body would then um, bring that through, you know, in a nocturnal admission during, uh, during, during a dream, while that's natural, we can help ourselves by not be, being uh, overcome with lust and eyes wandering throughout the day. That is usually what will precede wet dreams. Um, but if you're somebody who has struggled with this with frequency or you're, you're simply wondering, uh, my principle would be to repent of whatever sin you can repent of. You know, your, your, your inward tendencies, the thoughts you had during the day maybe even a little bit lucid during the dream, you're sort of able to choose what was going on. Um, repent of what you can repent of and pray for protection for what you are unable to uh, physically choose, uh, uh, individually choose. What about this? Should I, as a father, should I be mentioning this sort of stuff to my son or uh, is, uh, is this something he'll probably just pick up from the Bible? <laughs> Of course, there's not usually another option people have. They just ask, man, should I be mentioning this sort of stuff to my son? And the answer is absolutely yes. And when? Well, it, it, it's hardly ever too early. If, if they are, um, you know, making their way up through um, middle school, it's probably already too late. 
Um, not too late in that it's not worth talking about, but too late in the sense you're not going to be the first one to talk to them about this. Uh, guys are having sexual conversations, coming across sexual content online and uh, over their phones and from friends earlier and earlier and earlier. The average age, the average age a couple of years ago uh, that uh, young men were having their first pornographic exposure was 11. Ele that's average, which means there's m many younger children who are coming across it. Fathers... You want to be the first one to talk to your sons about this. You want to be modeling the proverb, sitting down with him, going, my son, my son, this is what you're going to experience. This is what I need to warn you about. My son, this is what I want to advise you for. Um, and, and, and maybe you're just, you, your son's older. He's in, he's in grade 12. He's in university. Uh, you've never had these conversations. Well, he's his own man in some respects now. Uh, but maybe you're thinking of, a, of a, maybe even a younger teenager. Should you have these conversations? You've left it so late. You've, you left him to himself for so long. Surely he's neck deep in sin. And brothers, the answer is probably yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, if he doesn't have the strongest male influence in his life, his father, sitting down with him, talking to him about these things, giving him relief in the sense that he can understand this is a male problem, this is a sin that the Bible addresses, I'm not a shameful little pervert, I'm not the only one of my kind, uh, to, to have that input from you would be, uh, to not have it means that he is in sin. He will definitely be walking in those ways. But to have it from you, I'm telling you, he is desperate for it. As a young man who grew up in the age of, of, of phone, internet activity, and, um, and, and, and all that sort of temptations that came our way, I was delighted in the awkward conversation that my father would have with us. I, I look back on those, even the moments after the conversation ended, oh, all red-faced, glad that's over uh, sometimes. And I'll be so happy, though, that the conversation was had. Your young men need you. They're desiring you to give them direction and uh, give them your masculine, fatherly advice on this topic. So, yes, talk to your sons about it. Um, and then another uh, point that is often raised is, isn't porn and masturbation not quite the big deal you're making of it? Because it's just adultery of the heart. Uh, it's just lust of the heart. Um, usually this conversation comes up in the, in the context of could, some, could somebody get divorced because their husband is looking at pornography? And that's a whole other discussion that needs to be had. But, but essentially the argument people make is, well, masturbation is, uh, is a sin of the heart. You're not going to go uh, d uh, throwing somebody in prison because they, they got angry, did you? Because Jesus says that's murder of the heart. Well, the problem is that uh, internal lust... And masturbation are not the same thing. They feed into each other, but they're not the same thing. Masturbation is not just a sin of the heart. Looking at pornography and masturbating is not simply a sin of the heart. It's also a sin of the eyes, sin of the hand. I can think of at least one other body part that's involved. Uh, it's an action. It's, it's not simply a thought. Uh, so, so no, we need to not, um, and I say this because we make excuses, downgrade sins as if this is just a sin of the mind. No, it's a sin of the body. There's no other woman in the room because it's self, which is a problem in itself, but it is a serious sin. And even if it was just a sin of the heart, Jesus' whole point in saying that is that a sin of the heart is a sin worthy of death before the Lord. So let's not downgrade sin in any way. Although I do hope that this conversation has been 
uh, at least able to open up the dialogue, and at least helpful in some ways. Um, again, the, the, the reason that men need to be considering all of this and having the right motivation is not simply so that you can have holiness for the sake of holiness, as if you can have uh, purity sexually uh, and not masturbate until you're married, yahoo, hallelujah, for no purpose. The purpose of it is your mission that you are made to glorify God, that you are made to image his glory and 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 walk out into the righteousness of his standards, that you've been called on mission and you cannot storm the principalities and powers of darkness while you can't even get control over your own libido uh, pixels and erections. We need to realize we're called to more than this. We're called to a uh, uh, be, be an army for the Lord in proclaiming gospel, in living in holiness, in raising families, planning churches, serving the local church. This is what God's called each man to be. I want to finish on, on Titus chapter 2, verse 11 again, and ask you what, what it would look like if we, as a group of men, if we as a generation of men, a church of men, really, really believed what Paul says here, that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people and training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. The power of God is at your disposal to live an upright, godly life in this present age to be self-controlled. The grace of God is for you to do this, gentlemen. You know, if we would, if we would be as zealous towards pursuing that ideal, rather than frequently making excuses, uh, making tiny little loopholes that we can squeeze through with enough effort, self-justification, and and lube, <laughs> that that if we would stop making those excuses and start pursuing instead, making excuses for holiness making sacrifices for holiness, staying up late for holiness, seeking time alone with the Lord, pursue, uh, 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 taking ourselves to the Word of God and feasting there for our satisfaction. This is, as Psalm 119 tells us, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to his word. This is what we're going to cover next week on how specifically to fight pornographic lusts and addictions. I uh, hope that you're going to uh, tune in then. But until then, know that Jesus has come. He has died to atone for your sin. You are not so sexually uh, addicted or masturbation um, uh, uh, focused that you cannot be forgiven. You are not so addicted that you cannot be redeemed. You are not so ruined that you cannot be cleansed and reused and set on mission and put things behind you. Repentance and faith is still empowered by the Spirit for you today if you'll turn to Him in prayer and confession. Brothers, I'll be praying for you. May we uh, share this to everything.